0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first of this series on doxologies. I had a blast doing it. Again, I just hope you found just the scripture itself exciting your heart, the revelation of who God is. If you're tuning in for the first time, the word doxology is a combination of two words, doxa and logos, which means glory and splendor, and logos meaning word or speech. And so together, it means it's a phrase of praise or glory to God in regards to His splendor, His greatness, His majesty. And last week, I simply wanted us to capture the fact that even though doxologies generally in the church as a part of liturgy fall at the end of a service, at the end of a mass or whatever it is that's the language of your gathering on a Sunday or whatever gathering, sometimes my concern is that because it's just there and it's always there and we just sing it, we forget the fact that the doxology ideally should come in response to the revelation of God and who He is, His actual glory that causes us then to give Him glory or praise. It's kind of difficult sometimes because glory on the one hand has to do with the very essence of God, that His glory, it's His character, it's His attributes, it's the splendor and majesty of who He is, and yet then we're called to Give him glory so that glory becomes somewhat a synonym to honor and praise and worship. But the critical thing, I brought up Romans 1.21 last week that Paul says that although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. The point is is that if you really know God, if you really know God, you can't help but to respond with glorifying him, praising, worship, honoring him, and thanking him. And again, what I love about that is it means that God has to love us first, reveal himself to us first, act first in order to even make it possible for us to have that response of giving glory and giving thanks. So we went through some texts last week. So again, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it and you're tuning in for the first time, please go back to last week's. But this is kind of where we're at. So this week I have a different scripture that it's mostly just listening to the text, listening to Paul And then seeing why he breaks into doxology. Oh, yeah, because that was the other thing I mentioned was that the weird thing, considering the fact that we use doxologies at the end of our gatherings, in Paul's letters, the doxologies show up all over the place. They're not at the end. They tend to simply erupt in his writings because he's thinking about God, who he is or what he's done, and suddenly he just has to go, folks, we got to stop. We got to glorify God right here. Let's just do it. So the one I want to focus on today is almost the whole chapter of Ephesians 3. Well, actually, it is basically the Ephesians chapter 3. And again, what I want you to capture is that this is Paul writing a letter. Oh, that sometimes we would find ourselves erupting into glorifying God and giving thanks to him because of what we're writing to somebody about them or about God and his involvement in their lives and our lives. So Ephesians chapter 3. Actually, beginning with verse two, he says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And he's speaking primarily to the Gentiles now in this church. So first of all, he's thinking about it's the administration. It's the working out of God's grace for the Gentiles, for the non-Jews. So he says, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, into the mystery of the Messiah, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, So now just start thinking about this. He's starting to think, oh, man, you guys, do you realize how cool this is that God's grace was given to me first? Remember last week that he was a chief of sinners, and yet here he gets to be appointed to be the one who gets to administrate God's grace to the non-Jews, and that it was a mystery. It was hidden, and yet now it's been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So he's thinking about this is incredible stuff. So verse 6, he continues, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles and non-Jews are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The mystery is that through the gospel, this is the message of God's grace. This is the mystery that's being revealed. It's called the gospel. It's called good news. Why is it good news? The good news, especially to the Gentiles, is that you who were not a people are now a people. You who had nothing, now you get everything. You have just become an heir together with Israel. You are members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. How cool is that? Most of you are probably listening like me. We are that Gentile group. Most of us listening were probably not Jews. This is really good news that we get included. Well, then he's growing now. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, which goes back to last week's about. I became a servant. I am an apostle. I am a messenger of this by the gift of God's grace. Me, the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners. And it was through the working of his power. And then he says here, he almost says it again. Although I am, the, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to you, the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ, boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, and then he can't help himself. He's got to remind us of some other little cool thing about God. Oh, who created all things? He continues, his intent was that now through the church, through his new people, made of Jew and Gentile Born of the Spirit, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You understand now? He is saying this all began as God's wisdom. It was his eternal purpose. Which he revealed to me, he's revealed to the apostles and prophets by his spirit, the one who created all things, the one who has crazy wisdom, who's accomplished all this in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave me the privilege of telling you all this. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So I ask you, therefore, he says, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And here's the part that maybe you're familiar with. Suddenly, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And again, he has to embellish on what's that? From whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name? He says while I'm kneeling I am praying that out of his glorious riches he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God Imagine the first time Paul wrote those words out. He's writing this, but he is so aware that, oh my gosh, it was God's grace. It was a mystery. It was his wisdom. It was his eternal purpose. He did this thing through Christ. He revealed it to me and now he sent me out. And for this reason, I pray for you guys that this God, our Father, would fill you with his love, empower you to know his love. By His Spirit, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Him. And now He goes into doxology. Now to Him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory. And He could have just said, as He does elsewhere, forever and ever, amen. But he has one more little parenthetical statement. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. When he exhorts them to say, To him be glory. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To him who does this according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory. But then he wants to say, but I don't want it to just be in this moment right now as you're hearing this letter being read to you. I want it to be in the church for all generations. I want it to be in or about or for and to Christ Jesus for all generations. That it would never cease, that it would never stop. But again, it's a statement about the wonder of God. He doesn't just want you to know how wide and long and high and deep is His love and to know this love to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Him, but oh, that you would know that He can do, will do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. And earlier in that letter... the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Listen, folks, listen to the Lord say it to you now. I, your God, am able, will, do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine according to My power, that power that I exerted and raised Jesus from the dead and seated him far above everyone and everything, that's the same power that's at work within you, to which Paul just has to say, doxology, to you, O God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, not just in this moment, but throughout every and all generation forever and ever. Amen. Do you ever write a letter and erupt in that kind of doxology, you know? Are we aware when we're writing, when we're talking, sharing, interacting with one another that God is in our conversation, over our conversation in such a way that as we're talking, somehow we'd have these moments of awareness that we're in a part of His wisdom. We're in a part of His eternal purpose. We're a part of something that was hidden but now is made known. We're in a part of something that's so mysterious that only now, Only now did the angels, all of those in the heavenly realms, he says, the rulers and authorities are just discovering. We're in this thing, folks. We're a part of this thing. And oh, as we think about that this God, who is the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, this God who he interjects and says, oh, by the way, he's the creator of all things. And oh, yeah, by the way, he's the God who'll work everything out and according to his time. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's the God that gives life to everything. Oh, yeah, he's God, the only God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, who none has seen nor can see. It's this God! Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting fired up. Hope I didn't blast your ears out. Seriously, folks, it's Mm -hmm. this God who, when he created us, had this in mind for us. And that one of the triune persons said, I will become like them. I will enter into their suffering, into their brokenness, and I will do for them what they cannot do for themselves. And they purposed that from the beginning. And now Paul invites all of us into telling that story to our friends and neighbors. And in the telling of it, oh, that it would cause this eruption in us of doxology. God, to you be the glory, to you be the honor, to you be the might, to you be the praise, the worship, and the honor there is none like you. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise, for you are worthy of it, O God. Father, I pray for each of us today that you would empower us to just think about wherever we are. We're not just this little isolated human being in this little place in time and space, and we are a part of something that the eternal God purposed before all time. We are in this great thing He is doing. And we too, like Paul, have been given the privilege to share that mystery, to share that God wants each and everyone around you. If you're in your car, in your cubicle, in your home to think about, God wants them to know how wide and long and high and deep is His love for them. And it's a love that surpasses knowledge. And He wants you and I to have confidence Hear him say it again, I can, I do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine, according to my power that is at work within you. Now again, folks, we got to say, but oh, the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God and his ways and his paths. Sometimes we want him to use his power for what we do ask or imagine and the way we ask or imagine about it. And we have to be careful of that because God is God, but he's a good God and he's a loving God. And he's working all this stuff out for his glory, for his purposes. Because right now, folks, the most important thing we have to keep reminding ourselves is that this present life is not it. Right now, in this time between the times of Jesus' first and second coming, we are on mission with Jesus to tell people of this unbelievable mystery and this amazing God and Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit who strengthens us and get them reconciled and connected to God because there is an eternity coming. And folks, they're either going to spend it eternally with us and with Jesus or they're not. And we need to so be captivated by this wonder, this reality, that we burst into thanks we burst into glory and praise and honor, but especially that it would overflow. The wonder of it would cause us to want to talk to somebody, engage in a conversation and say, you got to know this God. You got to know this Lord Jesus. You got to know this amazing good news that he didn't come into the world to condemn you, but to save you, to forgive you, to have a relationship with you for now and forever. So Lord, I pray for each of us today. Help us, help us, help us to remember the gospel. Remember that this has been your plan before even the creation of the world, Lord. And I pray that it would just cause us to overflow with a passion and desire to share the gospel, to share the mystery, to invite people into what we've experienced. And I pray, Lord, that even today as we're reflecting and thinking about all that you've done for us and how amazing you are, Lord, I pray that your praise would ever be on our lips, ever be on our lips. For you are worthy, worthy to be praised, O God, worthy to be thanked. So Lord, let doxology spring forth, erupt, spontaneously combust out of us as we just find ourselves reflecting on and remembering who you are and what you've done. We love you, Lord. We love you, God, our Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, and have a great rest of the day.